Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm Rebecca Millsoff, senior editor at Billboard and your musical theater fangirl host extraordinaire. So when I think about the overlap between pop music and musical theater, there are few people who exemplify it better than my guest on the podcast today. Even if you've never been to a Broadway show or set foot in a theater, for that matter, there's one form of musical theater that we've all been exposed to. Disney movies. Think about it. What is a Disney movie, really, but a classic musical in animated form? Uh, Just thinking about a few classic big Broadway numbers in Disney form, uh, Be Our Guest in Beauty and the Beast. That's a spectacular song and dance number, for sure. Friend Like Me in Aladdin is a classic first act showstopper. And when I think about the classic I want song that every musical needs, the idea of an I want song is the song where the main character tells you what he or she wants, which is the reason you're watching a musical in the first place, hopefully. Uh, There's not much of a better example of that than Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid, Ariel's big I want moment. So there's something all those songs have in common, besides being very difficult to get out of your head, and that is composer Alan Menken. To say that he's written the soundtrack to our lives isn't really much of an exaggeration. It's hard to think of a composer whose music has so seamlessly blended pop and musical theater sounds to become really a part of our sort of collective subconscious musical memory. Mencken started out in the more avant-garde off-Broadway world in New York, and his first big hit long before his Disney days was the musical Little Shop of Horrors. Since then, he's worked with a list of collaborators that crisscrosses between the pop and theater worlds, from his famed collaborator uh, Howard Ashman to Tim Rice to Stephen Schwartz. And, well, listing Mencken's accomplishments could go on for a long time, but here's a brief rundown. Three of the Disney movies for which he wrote music have been turned into hit Broadway shows at this point, in addition to non-Disney ones like Newsies, Sister Act, and now A Bronx Tale, which is on Broadway presently. He has won multiple Oscars, multiple Grammys, uh, a Tony for Newsies, 
And he's really three quarters of the way to an EGOT and was actually Emmy nominated for his music for the TV show Gallivant. He's written three top 10 hits that made it to the Billboard Hot 100, A Whole New World, Colors of the Wind, and Beauty and the Beast. He's worked on seven Disney soundtracks that reached the top 40 of the Billboard 200, spanning nearly two decades. There's The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, and Enchanted. Phew. And on top of all of that, he was just back on the charts last month as a writer for the new version of Beauty and the Beast, which Ariana Grande and John Legend recorded together. Even with all of those accomplishments, which he could easily rest on for the rest of his life, the most amazing thing to me about Mencken is how continually inspired he is to write new music and to find new ways of expanding his musical vocabulary. He came to the Billboard office recently to play uh, and actually sing a few songs from Aladdin, which is one of his ongoing Broadway successes. And while he was here, he chatted with me about that show and about his incredible career. But now from way up here, it's crystal clear. Now I'm in a whole new world with you. Unbelievable sights, indescribable feelings. Well, hi, Thank you so much for coming in. This is like, I mean, you were the score of my childhood, basically. So it's it's so exciting to meet you. Um, So we're here to talk about Aladdin ostensibly today, but I'd like to talk about your career more in general, too, um, with writing for Disney and uh, how all that music has entered our general public consciousness. Um, So when you first started writing uh, these Disney musicals, you had come from, I think, more of a sort of underground, like off-Broadway New York theater world. Right. Obviously a very different world. Um, Was it something that you were... (laughs) Not as as different as you would think necessarily, but um, I thought of of Little Mermaid as Howard Ashman and my follow-up to Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like instead of having Audrey on a... a, um, a garbage can you had Ariel in a grotto uh-huh. but they were still you know singing about what they dream of you know and the structure is still the same the it's just the vocabulary is different uh-huh. well I was wondering if it was something that was immediately appealing to you as a writer or something that well, you kind Disney, of needed to wrap yeah. your mind around <laughs> Disney was is, you know the opportunity to write for, uh, uh, you know for a Disney project is huge um, and it was huge for me because I grew up on those projects, first of all. I grew up on Fantasia and Pinocchio and Dumbo and you know, Peter Pan. And Besides that, just when I started writing for Disney, I also had uh, my daughters were born. Mm-hmm. So I was reliving all of those old an- animated classics um, through them as well. Um, so it was, it was a you know confluence of a lot of a lot of wonderful uh, things in my life that brought me to Disney. Did you find that the process of writing a stage musical was very analogous to writing one for screen, or were there key sort of challenges you came upon? Um, the composing process is pretty much the same. You're writing for a character, you're writing for a moment, you're, you're creating a score that has, has to have um, some sort of a logic, emotional logic, and a and a story logic to it. It's yeah. uh, you want to have a dramatic arc. Um, you want all the songs to push story forward. They're, that's the same whether it's for stage or for film or for television or for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the differences are, um, first of all, uh, 
uh, in a movie you have close-ups and you can see a character's face and say, oh, she's feeling lonely or oh, she's noticing this or whatever mm -hmm. it is. On stage, you don't have those close-ups. So in a way, those, there are more song moments because those moments really uh, take up the purpose of the close-up to inform about what's going on inside of a character at a moment or mm -hmm. what's, you know, what, what's coming in the story that is not necessarily apparent um, uh, on stage. Um, and also with, of course, with a, you know, with a stage musical, you have an audience that you're expecting a reaction from. Mm -hmm. They're going to applaud or they're not going to applaud. So you either want to work towards applause or you want to discourage the applause and move. It's just, it's a, it's just a different set of rules, but those are the, those are really smaller considerations that in, in terms of the, you know, the real, uh, tent pole, uh, priorities, they're the same. Mm -hmm. There has always been such a pop sensibility to your writing going way, way back. So I'm curious, what did you grow up listening to, both in sort of the theater and more pop realms? Um, <clears throat> I grew up listening, first of all, to classical music. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, some of that came from, again, my, my love of Fantasia. And also just, I play, you know, taking piano lessons and I loved classical music. Um, I grew up in a family that loved musical theater. So I, you know, I would hear the Rodgers and Hammerstein scores, the, the Frank Lesser scores, the Lerner and Lowe. Um, um, <clears throat> I, they were the, you know, they were all over my house. It was, I knew my father my, and my mother and my sisters, you know, loved those. And, I really wanted to be a you know rock musician as far as I was concerned. That was <laughs> not what I was going to do, but that changed. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going to say, I, I read about a rock ballet of yours, which I feel like I need to know about. <laughs> uh, right out of college, I wrote a, a rock ballet out of these, these psychedelic songs. I say psychedelic because that's basically where my mind was at the time. <laughs> these songs made probably absolutely no sense. I can't figure out what they're about, but they're kind of entertaining. And the best thing that happened from the rock ballet was this ballet dancer who joined the company, happens to be now my wife of 45 years. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of rock music, I, and I basically wanted to be, you know, um, um, Billy Joel or Elton John or Jackson Brown. I really wanted to be a singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, I joined this thing called the BMI Musical Theater Workshop and uh, with Lehman Engel. And um, it really affected me. The, the opportunities in writing for theater were just so great because you are given these characters and these worlds that draw you to different vocabularies and bring things out in you that are beyond what you necessarily write for yourself in terms of you know, pulling from your own soul. And um, in terms of pop music, what I used to listen mm -hmm. to. I mean, you're probably saying before the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones, because that's where, but that, that is, that was the big influence, of course, you know, Joni Mitchell and, and uh, um, you know, all of those great writers, you know, um, uh, opened up a whole new world, no pun intended, <laughs> for all of us. Ah. Um, um, Prior to that, I remember just certain pop tunes, you know, sort of breaking through in me, um, 
focusing on them. But uh, yeah, starting when it became the voice of our generation, then you know every everybody wanted to have a band. Everybody wanted to have a guitar. Mm-hmm. So. On that point, as someone who has had a very strong songwriting impulse for so much of his life, and you've worked with many great songwriting collaborators who have all been pretty major in their own way, I mean, what do you look for in a songwriter who you can work with um, as a lyricist? Well, first of all, I work in a a, uh, dramatic context, Mm -hmm. meaning that we're writing with a lot of character specifics, and a lot of story specifics. There's a lot of architecture in our songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look for somebody who has, who's smart, who um, who has the ability to to write for character and in the voice of character. Um, I um, I look for somebody who has experience. Who you know? I look for somebody who doesn't. You know, cling on to ideas um, uh, stubbornly. Someone who's always ready to move on and 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 try something new. Because mm-hmm. that's my attitude about writing with people as well. And that certainly transcends time. So you can always find new things to do. Yeah. Um, to talk about Aladdin a little bit. Um, clearly, having recently just seen you play, you really enjoy still playing the songs. Um, how did these songs change for you over the years? I mean, having written them quite a while ago, uh, do you recognize the composer you were then? Do you find new oh, things yeah. in them now? Or, I, you know, whenever I play my songs, I pretty much flash back to the the first impulse. You know, um, that's the high highlight for me is is the moment when I write a song, mm-hmm. and that's in, always indelibly, you know, uh, imprinted. You know, when I when I play a song, every note I've given myself or someone else gave me or any comment or any, it all just comes up, mm-hmm. and it's all in that moment as I'm playing. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, oh, Howard said, hold this note out here, um, and it, it, it remains fresh and it remains timeless. That somehow doesn't move on. Do you remember what the first Aladdin song was that came to you? Um. Uh, the first song, I think that that we wrote for Aladdin. I would bet it was Arabian Nights. Hmm. Yeah. And was that mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I come from away. You're a one man band. Uh, did did that come to you easily, or? Well, it was. It's a. It's in a very specific style. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we we wanted to have that sense of the camel sort of going. Uh, walking through the sand, and you, know, you want the physicality of the camel, and um, and the, the main theme, you know, da 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 da, is very much kind of the the prayer you'd hear from a minaret. But it's 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's music that's very associated with Arab culture. Um, so we knew it was going to be some combination of of authentic authentically inspired music and then you know music totally from out of left field although it isn't really out of left field because it was really winking at prior adaptations of the story like the Fleischer cartoons mm-hmm. or like Road to Morocco or something 
Mm-hmm. So you're you know having fun with the Hollywood interpretations mm-hmm. of of the mysterious East. <laughs> <clears throat> and for I mean for songs that become huge pop hits, it's always interesting to hear how that happens. Um, was a whole new world something that you immediately knew would probably resonate really well with people, or I mean, what what was your reaction when you first wrote it? Yeah, with whole new world. I, you know, I first got the reaction, the in-house reaction from people at Disney, and it was, whoa. <laughs> so I, my very first, when I first wrote that song, I wrote a dummy lyric for Tim, um, because I was coming from working with Howard, and I wanted to make sure that somehow whatever, that, that I could be a, a conduit from Howard's lyric instincts to Tim's. Mm-hmm. So I remember writing, uh, the world at my feet. And Tim very wisely thought maybe the word feet wouldn't necessarily want to be in the title. <laughs> That's the most but... romantic word in the world. <laughs> That's so funny. But once you got over feet, it was smooth sailing I got over from feet there. very fast. <laughs> A whole new world. Yeah. I mean, when you're writing shows like Aladdin, um, or I just called it a show, movies, um, do do you, yeah, I mean, do you have in your mind the hope that maybe it will make it to the stage one day? Because so many of your projects have all become shows at this point. No, I just, honestly, I just write for whatever medium I'm writing for. And to me, that's complete and that's done. Um, And probably if it was up to me, I I never would have taken... Any of them, any of the movies and moves into Broadway, and I would have taken none of the shows and moved them to film. I just mm-hmm. wouldn't occur to me. I, they were they were complete experiences. And given my druthers, I'd frankly rather move on and write something new. But um, if somebody is going to, you know, do an, a, another take or another adaptation of the Aladdin that we started, I'll, I'll you know, I'm definitely not going to shy away from being the one to write it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's worked out really well. It's worked out really, really well. <laughs> Amazingly well, yeah. Well. <laughs> um, well, great to talk to you. Thank you for stopping by. My pleasure. Yeah. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. Oh, wah! No, no, wah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? If you'd like to see Alan Menken performing his own music, which is really a rare treat that I highly recommend. Uh, As I said when I was speaking to him, he is like a one-man band. He's clearly a natural entertainer himself. You can find video of his recent performance at Billboard uh, on billboard.com slash Broadway, where you can, of course, always find our ongoing Broadway coverage as well. Aladdin uh, continues to run at the New Amsterdam Theater on Broadway. And as always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes and on Acast. Give us a nice rating, leave a little review, and we'll see you back next time. Blah, 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 blah.